When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. I'm Hugh Atchison. I'm a chef, a restaurateur, a traveler, and now I'm the host of The Passenger. People ask me all the time, you know, what's that list of places to go in this city, in that city? And this show is dedicated to that idea, immersing yourself in that culture and finding out what's intriguing and what we think about the future of that place as a visitor, as a passenger. The first season of The Passenger premieres February 27th. Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for brand new episodes of a short How Stuff Works podcast that explains the everyday world around us? Then check out Brain Stuff with me, Christian Sager. New episodes hit every Monday and Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, let's just start this episode on a really personal note. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about getting tested for STDs. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember the first time you were tested? And I realize this is so unfair because I'm asking you the question first. <laughs> no, I don't remember the first time I got tested, but I do get tested every year at my gynecologist appointment. Um the I don't remember either the very first time that I was tested. It was probably at my gynecologist annual way back in the day. But I do clearly remember when I moved to Atlanta and I started seeing this fabulous OBGYN who I still see. And um, I was single, ready to mingle. <laughs> and we were talking about all that stuff. And it was time for me to check the boxes of what um, what testing I wanted to do. And she said in the most non-judgmental, unslut shamey kind of way, Kristen, just take the whole panel. <laughs> nice. I was like, okay, you know, doc, I know you're not judging me. You're just looking out for my well-being. I will take the whole panel. And it is a, a tiny bit nerve wracking when you take the whole panel because you're like, Ooh, like waiting for that phone call, you know, mm-hmm. Um, but then I also remember flash forward to when I ended up in my current monogamous relationship and we'd been together for a while and I'd been through, you know, I'd been, of course, tested again. And, um, one of the last times I went in, I was like, so what, you know, what all, what all should I get checked out? And she was like, I don't think you need the full panel. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow, I guess things have really gotten serious. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Between me and my gynecologist, that is not me and my now fiance. But I mean, how would, how would she know just based on the fact that you'd been in a long-term monogamous relationship? Yeah. I mean, I'd had the same sexual partner for a long time. Now, of course, that did not take into account whether he possibly was fooling around behind my back, which is actually a really common way that women contract STDs. Um, 
but <laughs> thankfully he he wasn't. Yeah, good. That I know of. Considering you just yeah, you went in for your hairstyling appointment today for your wedding. Yeah, listeners, <laughs> so. imagine me in a lot of uh, regal braids. Yeah, which probably sounds sounds like I've got like a little house in the prairie <laughs> look going on right now. Yeah, and a crown. It's real weird. Yeah. Yeah. And the prairie dress is also throwing me uh, off. Yeah. It's kind of like um, glamorous Laura Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> well, so people are like, I'm not sure based on what they've said what they're talking about today. Yeah. Um, we are talking about STD testing. That's right. And that's because we met these two incredible women, these two business owners, Laura Ivanova and Ursula Hessenflow, when we were out at South by Southwest. And these women have co-founded the company My Lab Box to make STD testing easier. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. I mean, everybody's ordering their groceries and their books online. Why can't you order your STD tests online? Yeah, even your tampons can come to your door. of Sminty sponsor Lola. Um, And in our previous episode on women and HIV, we talked a lot about how STDs and HIV are still very much things that exist. Like there is no reason for us to stop having safe sex, even though we are having unprotected sex way more often than we used to. And as a result of that... Rates of STDs like chlamydia have risen. Yeah, that's right. So let's give you a little bit of a stat rundown because it wouldn't be a sminty episode without some statistics. STD statistics. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Okay, so this information is coming from the CDC. Uh, It's 2014 data, the most recent available. And when you look at chlamydia... We see an increase of 2.8% between 2013 and 2014. If you look at gonorrhea, that rate went up 5.1% between 2013 and 2014. And it's sort of a crazy jump for syphilis, which has jumped 15.1% since 2013. Man, you never want syphilis jumping around. No. <laughs> No, you don't want to be in a bouncy castle with syphilis. (laughs) Um, And if we look, though, at gonorrhea and chlamydia, this is primarily affecting younger people, the kids these days, you know, as they call them. Um, And surveillance data from the CDC shows both the numbers and rates of reported cases of chlamydia and gonorrhea continues to be the highest among folks 15 to 24 years old. And both young men and young women are heavily affected by these STDs, but women face the most serious long-term health consequences. And it's estimated that undiagnosed STDs cause more than 20,000 women to become infertile each year. Because let's remember, what is it, up to 80% of STDs can be asymptomatic. That's right. So even if you don't feel like you're at risk, if you feel like you've been safe, if you feel like your partners have been safe, that doesn't really mean that you shouldn't be tested. Are you saying we're never safe? We're never safe. Chlamydia is lurking around the corner in a trench coat. She's always eavesdropping. (laughs) Oh, clammy. And going back to syphilis, the CDC also highlights gay and bisexual men as being the most affected. Um, It's increasing at the greatest rate among those groups. So 15.1% in 2014. And while rates have increased among men and women of all stripes, 
Guys, you account for more than 90% of all primary and secondary syphilis cases. Yeah, and I mean, syphilis has some pretty gnarly side effects if you don't treat it. Things like visual impairment and stroke. It puts you at a higher risk for acquiring HIV. I mean, this stuff is serious. And the CDC pointed out some of the things that affect these rising STD rates. And I mean, as our guests will point out when we talk to them, You can potentially have sex just one time and get an STD that one time you have sex. But uh, individual risk behaviors like higher numbers of partners over a lifetime contribute to that higher STD rate. Uh, In addition to environmental, social and cultural factors like higher prevalence of STDs in your community and or friend group uh, or difficulty accessing health care. I mean, socioeconomic factors are huge when it comes to health in general, but also getting tested for your sexual health. And we've talked about these statistics of the STDs that we know about. There's also this issue of undiagnosed STDs, and this info uh, was cited over at WebMD from a 2014 report. So as for chlamydia, this new government report estimates that around 400,000 Americans probably have it but don't know it. And again, women tend to be at a higher risk of harboring these asymptomatic infections, according to the U.S. National Center for HIV and AIDS. Um, And when it comes to girls and boys, the chlamydia infection rate is highest among sexually active girls between 14 and 19 years old at 6.4%. And the rate among sexually active boys between 14 and 19 is 2.4%. And the researchers also took race into account. The rate of chlamydia among sexually active black teen girls is 18.6% compared with 3.2% among sexually active white teen girls. So there are so many layers. And plus, when it comes to getting diagnosed or, you know, getting tested or being afraid to, being afraid to even broach the subject with your doctors, you also have to take into account those added layers of homophobia and transphobia that people in the LGBT community can face when they try to go seek health care. You've also got, unfortunately, unlike the experiences that Kristen and I have each had with our gynecologists, you also have issues of slut shaming. Doctors who are basically tisk tisking their patients rather than just, you know, I don't know, doing their job and giving the person the full panel if they request it. And then, of course, and we'll talk a lot about this today with uh, Ursula and Laura, but you've got the issue of stigma, the huge issue of stigma, whether it's based in uh, religious practice, a sense of morality, ideas about, you know, misguided ideas about things being dirty, people being dirty if you have an STD. The stigma around getting tested and talking about sexual health and sexual testing is huge. And even just broaching those conversations, whether it's in a long-term relationship or for, say, a one-night stand, can be understandably challenging because it's like you don't you don't want to ruin the mood, but you also want to be safe. Yeah, and I think that the way that you can do both is whipping out your My Lab Box testing kit. Yeah, or just first playing this episode of Stuff Mom Never yeah. Told You as you sit silently in a room next to each other, not touching. Not touching. Don't touch. Don't look at each other. Just listen. <laughs> um, but real quickly, Caroline, you mentioned slut shaming happening at the doctor's office. We've also heard from so many stuff I've never told you listeners about prude shaming as well. Mm-hmm. Going in and saying, hey, doc, 
test me and a doctor being like, <laughs> you, you no, Linda, there's no possible way anyone's touched you. And, and that's, that is not okay. Or, either. yeah, or the flip side of a doctor offering to test someone and the person saying, well, I've literally never had any type of sexual contact or contact and the doctor not believing them. Yeah. So, yeah, layers, lots of layers. So let's talk about what this my lab box thing is, because it's to me, it's pretty cool because essentially what it's doing or attempting is disrupting the sexual health stigma. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a great way to test for HIV, gonorrhea, chlamydia and trichomoniasis. Uh, you can do it, like we said, in your own house or with your partner. And what's great about it, and we'll talk about this, too, with our guests, is the fact that it's not just um, STIs or STDs that are based in and around your genital area. It's also they also offer extra genital testing, which means oral and anal because these infections don't discriminate. And you can also go on the website, select and order the type of test you want. So if you're like, you know what, I really just want to find out about gonorrhea, you can do that. Or you can get what they call the Uber all-around package, which includes the full panel of tests that they provide, including testing uh, mouth, anus, and genital areas. And then it's delivered to your office, like one of those singing telegrams, and they're like, <laughs> who ordered an STD test? No, they and then that. they throw penis confetti in the air. Yes. it's yes. And then basically they just take you on a bridesmaids or a bachelorette party <laughs> bar hop and then you're whisked away to bourbon street in new orleans <laughs> it's kind of an expensive service <laughs> yeah it's real weird actually none of none of that is true no it's super discreet but we'll let laura and ursula talk more about that and speaking of which let's meet these geniuses who have created this intersectionally minded startup to disrupt sexual health in a good way. Yeah, so let's hear Laura and Ursula introduce themselves, not only so you can hear what they do, but also so you know how to differentiate their voices. Let it roll! Hi, my name is Laura Ivanova. I am a co-founder and chief marketing officer of MyLabBox. MyLabBox is the first and only service that allows you to test for STDs at home, and we are available nationwide. Uh, so my name is Ursula Hessenflow. I'm the co-founder and CEO of MyLabBox. And then we wanted to know what inspired my lab box. I mean, is it is it one of those things where you're just like sitting around having brunch, you have a few mimosas, start talking about STD testing, and then have a brilliant idea? Well, sort of, kind of, but not necessarily with the brunch part. My lab box was inspired by our own lives and the lives of our friends. Um, as adults living in the U.S., um, we were encountered multiple times by having difficult conversations with partners. And the reason why those conversations were so difficult, it, we found, is really because not so much people didn't know that STDs existed or they didn't know they should have those conversations. They just weren't testing often enough. Um, and there's many reasons why that's happening. There's fear of doctors, fear of needles, fear of clinics. Um, there's discomfort associated with that. Uh, it's time-consuming. It's expensive. You have to take time away from work. Um, and oftentimes, you don't even know if insurance is going to cover it, how much it's going to cover, what kind of test. 
there's a lot of lack of transparency. Many times uh, you do not get tested for a full panel unless you specifically request it or unless you're symptomatic. And as many of 80% of infections can be asymptomatic. So in that kind of confusing landscape where nothing is standardized and nothing is clear and transparent, people oftentimes just skip the exam altogether and then continue living by exposing themselves to their partners at risk. So we felt this is not something that's acceptable, especially in a modern-day lifestyle in which online dating has become so easily accessible and so common and, and popular, and we are finding better and more efficient ways to connect with people and engage and have hookups or anything else. But it seems like when it comes to our sexual health, things have been really lagging uh, for many years now. So we started first by looking around to see, we thought maybe there's something out there that already does that. Um, we were shocked to find out there's really no or little to none in innovation when it comes to actual STD testing in the U.S. Um, so little by little, we looking at the problem and trying to figure out really what the barriers were for users and what made it so challenging, we came up with a solution that we really feel is the ultimate and the perfect service for anybody that is sexually active. You can test from home, you can do the test in under five minutes, and you get complimentary physician consultations should you ever get the positive um, test results from our service. And something we don't really think about or talk about quite as much is the fact that while technology, all of our dating apps and things like that, while it's allowed us to have more sex with potentially more people, technology hasn't really kept up with all of our sexual health. And so as sexually liberated as our culture has supposedly become, we just hate talking about STDs. And it's so surprising, I mean, considering... The point where our dating culture and our quote unquote hookup culture is at, there's still so much fear and anxiety around having these STD conversations. So we asked Laura why she thinks that this is still an issue. You know, I think even with the dating culture, um, the reason why I feel online dating and app dating has become so prevalent is because it's much harder to walk up to somebody in a bar or in the street and strike a conversation. In general, I think as a culture, there's a shyness that we experience around person-to-person interactions and communication. And I think just the same way as it is hard to approach a cute guy or a cute girl on the street, it's also hard to kind of envision yourself having a conversation about your private life with a physician who is a stranger and who uh, may judge you or may, you know, ask you questions that are uncomfortable. So um, I think in this case, technology has shown us that in those tricky interactions, it, it helps to have kind of a veil of separation or, or to some level of anonymity in, in that first uh, few exchanges. And just as well as dating has been transformed by that layer of technology, we feel that that same layer of technology can now also offer us a solution in terms of our sexual health and STD testing in general. And I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you think that someone would have realized all of this, that there was this opportunity to help people and provide more information about sexual health? And honestly, it was astounding to both Laura and Ursula that the answer was no. I think, I mean, obviously it surprised us that once we started to look at the solution that there really wasn't anything like this out there. Um, and there was nothing nationwide. Um, so, you know, that was a huge surprise. I think what's surprised, what has surprised us the most throughout this process has just been, A, that in this day and age with, you know, all the sex education that supposedly we all got, that this is a, still a big problem and a bigger problem now. 
So it surprised, it surprised us how many people are just not testing. And what's actually surprised me is the, the higher rate of unprotected sex. Um, people report a lot more partners now. There's, you know, online dating applications. It's just statistically, you're going to have more partners. You're going to have more sexual partners. And people are having a lot more unprotected sex. I think that was a huge eye-opener for me. And there's a lot of reasons that people say that, that for that. Um, there's um, one likely cause is that people have, you know, less concern about HIV and AIDS being something that's going to, that's life-threatening, that, some, that now it's treatable. So, which has opened up the floodgates to more common infections, and that's why we're seeing such a crazy increase in common infections like chlamydia and gonorrhea. And going back to those statistics we talked about at the top of the podcast, Caroline, and all of those undiagnosed STDs, I mean, it seems like there might be some kind of internalized assumptions people have that there's no way that they are, quote unquote, high risk for contracting an STD because of maybe the number of sexual partners, the type of sex they're having or sexual contact they're having and who they're having it with. And Ursula points out that uh, those are kind of some myths that we're carrying around. Well, that's I mean, these are really, really common misconceptions is that, you know, that, oh, it's, I can't be infected through oral sex or, you know, any other type of, of sexual activity that you may be involved in, um, which you can. You can get oral and rectal chlamydia um, and gonorrhea. Um, so you absolutely can get infections in, in, in other areas. Right, exactly. STDs and STIs don't only affect the genitals, like we said earlier. So we wanted Laura to tell us about the importance of that extra genital testing that they just started offering. One thing that we added to MyLandBox uh, in this past week, so we're very excited about, is the ability to test for extra genital infections, which means oral and rectal infections. The reason why this is significant is that um, infections in your body, the STI infections, can be localized. So ultimately, you can test negative using conventional methods, um, which usually require genital testing. However, you may still be infected if you have engaged, for example, in oral sex or anything else. Um, So this leaves a a vast majority of uh, kind of extragenital infections undetected. Um, And it's really important because everybody... Um, not everybody, but many people, you know, do not limit themselves to only vanilla flavor of sex, right? I mean, people sometimes have different uh, engagements and, and different practices. And if you were trying to offer a solution that's really susceptible to different lifestyles and norms, this really is something that's important to have as an available option. And being able to do it from home is even better. And what would be even better then that is getting to a point culturally where this kind of testing and conversations about STDs and safe sex are destigmatized or at least just easier to have a casual conversation about. And that's actually something that my lab box wants to do. That is part of their reason for being. That is part of our our, our mission and purpose is to at least make something Make this something that you talk about. Now, you don't have to go and and get tested in a facility and have that interaction with a doctor, but to make it something that you talk about regularly and it's just like Laura coined brushing your teeth. And so part of 
fulfilling that mission to make STDs and sexual health easier to talk about means debunking the whole high-risk rhetoric that you hear in doctor's offices. And so we wanted to talk to Laura and Ursula more about whether they had a particular group or demographic, you know, age, race, whatever, in mind because of particular risks or barriers to care. You know, it's it's funny because... I feel many um, nonprofits and organizations in this area really kind of always look at, well, what is the high-risk demographic, right? So, and they define that in different ways, you know, depending on kind of their individual profiles. The truth of the matter is that anybody, any adult or a young person that are engaging in sexual activity that doesn't have to be intercourse, it can be oral sex, it could be anything else. Um, everybody should be getting tested. So when we think of a high-risk individual in my lab box terms, it really is anybody that is engaging in sexual activity. Um, and until we all understand and realize that that is the case, I think we will always think that STDs are somebody else's problem. Fact is, one-third of Americans today are living with a sexually transmitted infection. These are not high-risk individuals. These are teenagers. These are grandmothers. These are, in some cases, married couples, um, None of them thought, oh, this is something that could happen to me. They all thought I wasn't high risk or they all thought it's, you know, oh, it's just once, you know, how how much risk could there be? And and fact of the matter is half of adults will also contract an STI in their lifetimes. Again, we can't say, oh, half of Americans are just at-risk individuals that are just reckless and uh, or slutty or anything else. No, again, these are day, everyday people that um, just encounter this one way or another. And it only takes once. So it's, it's in, in fact, um, one of my friends who um, literally was her first boyfriend, they were in a relationship for three years, um, and she contracted an infection from this individual, somebody who, you know, in this relationship wasn't faithful. Uh, you have no control over anybody else's actions. So even if you're being careful, even if you are on your terms, um, somebody that's being proactive and healthy and careful, your partner may not be. So that is really something important for people to understand and, and really kind of, I think, the first step of this paradigm shift of who should be testing for STDs. And fully grasping the need for that paradigm shift is something that these women learned firsthand through field research. And we did, um, it's funny because we actually, as part of developing this, we went to a lot of exams. I mean, we <laughs> we went to clinics, we went to doctor's offices, we got tested for everything that we could multiple times because we really wanted to see what the experience was, you know, um, other than what it has been through our past past lives. And it's, we're, it's amazing. We had physicians telling us, well, you don't look high risk. You know, how is a physician just looking at you sitting across the table from decide that you're not high risk just by a conversation or by the way we've done our hair? Um, and... Um, it's just not something that's possible. So, but it is a practice that is uh, happening out there, and unfortunately, something that I'm sure if we dealt with it, many other people are dealing with. Well, this is part of really what I think inspired us to to launch this. Is it's just so all over the board. I mean, every, I've I'm the person that's gone to see a gynecologist every single year since I don't remember when. You know, since I was a teenager, and it's been so varied, and I think that I found that so many, so many doctors don't actually know how to talk about this. They don't get a lot of training, 
Um, so I actually had, had a gynecologist that I went into and I asked to be tested for everything. And no idea of, of my history, um, nothing. And basically just said, well, you don't look like you're at risk. And, it, and this was not the first experience like this. And so it really made me kind of infuriated that a gynecologist would have this sort of like risk assessment. Well, so we wanted to know from Ursula what she thought the doctors meant by, quote, look like you're at risk. What were they basing their assessment on? I mean, I, I don't know, um, but I, I would hypothesize that it's just, you know, they have a certain there, there's a certain demographic that is is higher risk. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what they're relating to. So, you know, being a white woman, late 30s, not as high risk. Caroline, going to the post office is so old school, as the kids say. It's such a hassle making those trips there. And that's why over 600,000 new school small businesses are already using Stamps.com. Because with Stamps.com, your computer and printer is turned into a virtual post office. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package. So easy to use and super convenient. So right now, sign up for Stamps.com and use our promo code STUFF to get a special offer. It's a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes postage and a digital scale. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in STUFF. That's Stamps.com. Enter STUFF. So shifting the conversation away from STDs, but still talking high risk, we wanted to talk to them about business and financing because my lab box is a startup and it's a startup that addresses taboo topics of sex, STDs and STIs. And also it's something started by two women who need venture capital and That really sounds like a triple jeopardy challenge waiting to happen because, I mean, obviously the whole taboo factor, but also only 7% of partners at top 100 venture firms are women and 16% of newly launched venture firms are co-founded by women. So that to say there aren't a ton of women involved in dispensing that kind of capital. Um, And between 2010 and 2015, Female founded startups, and that just includes at least one female founder, received just 10 percent of venture capital globally. So, I mean, it's often an uphill battle, as we talked about with uh, Julie Siegel, who founded Dear Kate's. It's often an uphill battle for women founded startups to get that cash. So we were really curious to find out more about the business side of starting my lab box. Um, actually, Ursula can tell you a lot more on the funding side, but we've definitely had some very interesting investor conversations. Uh, some of them borderline inappropriate. Um, we've been asked, uh, especially as women in this space, you know, uh, strange questions like, you know, what is our sex life like and what is our dating life like and what STD do we have that created, you know, prompted us to create the service. Um, so there's definitely been some interesting 
uh, interactions during our fundraising trail. Um, however, we are also very excited to have recently closed a, a round of over half a million dollars in seed uh, funding for this venture. And we collected and assembled a group of investors that are extremely diverse and, and very um, forward-thinking in the way that they're approaching not only their investing practices, but also what a solution like MyLabBox can bring to the world. So I think at the end of this journey, no matter what business you fundraise for, you're going to get a lot of no's. And, and the reasons why you get those no's almost don't matter. Uh, the, what matters is that you get the right yeses, and you get those yeses from people who believe in your product, are willing to invest, and willing to support you. Um, we have a very high number of female investors on board, uh, which is not also very typical for most startups. So it's, I think from a diversity perspective, we've, we've, we feel very good about where we're at right now with the team that's behind this company and us as co-founders. You know, I would say that um, we've had some interesting experiences. I say for the most part, actually, it's been very positive. Um, and interestingly enough, in, in a lot of our funding has come from Houston, which is a huge medical market. So we got some initial funding um, from a fund called Houston Health Ventures there. And a lot of interest. I think that they really get the privacy. And I think that's what stuck out, what stood out for, for these funders is like they could relate whether they were married for 30 years or not, or they were men, they really got privacy. So that resonated with a lot of investors. But we did. I mean, we've had investors that um, were just making outright comments like uh, about us being women and um, you know, that we, we need to kind of sell this with our femininity and our sexuality and, I mean, just things, things like this that, um, but that, I would say, was rare. But, but that was a very interesting one. We're like, okay, well, that was interesting. So now that my lab box recently closed a round of more than half a million dollars in seed funding for this venture and is growing, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of how it works. So it is very easy. You would go on our website, for example, and you would select the kit that is best fitted for your lifestyle. In about a couple of days, you would receive the kit at home in a very standard package. Nobody will know, not your neighbors or your family or your roommates. Um, you will be able to do the test in under five minutes. So you basically collect a small sample um, that is pain-free, and you mail that sample back to our lab affiliate for testing. In another day or two, you will receive your results online in your secure account so you'll be able to just log in and view when your results are ready and you can share those results either to, with a partner or with your doctor you can print a pdf or just um, share them through the interface on the website the these are really uh, tests done in as little as three steps you know order collect sample, check results. Um, the other thing that we're really excited about, we just launched about a, couple, a few weeks back, is the ability to have free and complimentary consultations if you test positive for our service. What that means is that we actually have physicians that can talk to you via telemedicine consultation and prescribe you a treatment plan in as little as one day from getting your results. So you can be on your ways from testing to treatment in just a matter of hours. But of course we wanted to know too, what do doctors think? Because I could imagine some docs being like, ho, ho, you and your technology mail order nonsense. <laughs> no. As, as they twist their pencil thin mustache. Yes, these monocled 
<laughs> doctors. Um, and it turns out, though, that the response has been overall positive. It's been very interesting. I mean, we, we've approached a few of them because we were really kind of trying to think about how this integrates into somebody's global health. Um, and I, many of them have been very positive about the prospects of this being something that patients just do and they can kind of recommend a frequency for them to do that and they can just bring their results maybe once a year. And um, in general, um, however, we also see a lot of physicians thinking it's, you know, unless, it's a, unless people are at risk or unless they're engaging in X, Y, and Z, they don't need to test. So there's still a bit of a barrier there in that regard, but we are seeing a positive shift um, as this being something that could be complementary and, and physicians recognizing that this is something that's ultimately uh, supporting their practice um, without requiring them to become experts in this, uh, in this field. And so if they're getting a good response from a lot of physicians, we wondered whether they'd thought about partnering with sex educators, whether in schools or kind of in the community in general. Um, yes. So we've actually got quite a lot of interest from sex educators. Um, we've been talking to, to, to many that just, you know, they, they want, they want to advocate for this. Um, they be, they'll become an affiliate. And I mean, we, we want people to share in this. So, um, they, they, sometimes they will just advocate and, you know, they'll do a blog post. They, there, there's a lot of spokespeople that will just be out there using this as something that they advocate as, as part of, as an easy testing solution. Um, and in, in some cases, they will just be, they will also become affiliates through our affiliate network. So now that the startup exists and its potential seems massive, we wanted to know what direction they're thinking in terms of the future. You know, now that they've made it, what next? So, I mean, we really see this and it's, we really see this as something that is, it's a global concern. I mean, STIs are, you know, the fifth most common area that people are seeking treatment for globally. So this is not just a problem in the U.S., it's a global problem. So we really see expanding even beyond the U.S. Um, into other countries where the, the discrete nature of this is even even more paramount. So we've actually already gotten a lot of interest in, in Asia, for example. The big dream, I mean, we really want to be the at-home testing solution for people living in America. And this is something that allows you to take health in your control and completely own it. Um, and we're really big believers that really the best way to take care of your health is to take care of your health alone, to be informed, to be proactive, and ultimately to get tested. So this is our big vision. We see ourselves expanding uh, across different categories. We see ourselves adding additional infections and obviously being able to offer a full and comprehensive panel. What we currently test for right now is the most prominent infections. So these are between 70 to 80% the most common new infections that you would encounter in uh, your daily life. And so we really started there. We wanted to make sure we catch the biggest risks. And then from there on, we really want this to be a comprehensive sexual health platform and then growing from there into the future. So we're very excited. So now, of course, where can our listeners learn more about Laura, Ursula, and My Lab Box? To learn more about My Lab Box, order our service and try us out. Go to mylabbox.com.
So thanks again to Laura Ivanova and Ursula Hessenflo, co-founders of My Lab Box, for taking the time to talk to us on a very busy South by Southwest showroom floor. They were so kind and so patient. Uh, we even had some technical difficulties. <laughs> and they just, you know... They went with it. Let's be honest. We're being honest about STDs, Let's right? Let's be honest, Caroline. It was more like Caroline difficulties in that I didn't press the record button. But Laura was so <laughs> Laura was so kind. You know, she was like, okay, I'll just say all of that stuff again because, you know, technical difficulties happen just like STDs. Oh, yes. There we yes. go. Brought it full circle. Love it. Um, and now, listeners, we're curious to hear from you. Have you had any... Particularly interesting, positive or negative, interesting uh, STD testing experiences. Do you have any tips on having the STD conversation with sexual partners? Let us know. Momstuff at howstuffworks.com is where you can send your emails. You can also tweet us at momstuffpodcast or message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you when we come right back from a quick break. Caroline, it's no news to our Stuff Mom Never Told You audience that moms are so unique. There's no one quite like my mom, Nancy, and no one quite like your mom, Sally. And because these women are so unique, we should get them a Mother's Day present that is just as unique as they are, right? Because, I mean, listen, we could get them, say, a picture frame or some flowers. That's nice. But how about something that's nice? And delicious and something that she can't make herself. Go to Sherry's Berries, y'all, and get some freshly dipped strawberries for mom starting at $19.99 plus shipping. Or you can double your berries for just $10 more. This is an exclusive offer for Stuff Mom Never Told You listeners. And all you have to do is go to berries.com, click on the microphone in the top right corner, and type in our code HOWSTUFFWORKS. And when you use our code, you can get some delicious chocolate-covered strawberries dipped in milk white and dark chocolatey goodness. And they're going to be topped with chocolate chips, chopped nuts, or signature swizzles. And you get these huge, fresh, delicious, juicy berries. And I can tell you, after shoving a bunch of them in my face yesterday, they really are so good. And so there's only one way to get that amazing deal. Those freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99 or double the berries for just $10 more. This is an exclusive offer for our listeners only when you use our code HOWSTUFFWORKS, all separate words. Visit berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in HOWSTUFFWORKS. That's berries.com. Click on the microphone and enter HOWSTUFFWORKS. And don't forget, this is a limited time offer and Mother's Day is right around the corner. So make sure you order now. And now back to the show. I have one here from Lana in response to our discussion with Ashley Doyle and Gina Helfrick of Recruit Her about salary negotiation. Uh, she says, listening to you guys talk reminds me painfully of my first job out of college. I'd interviewed in a few places, and one Fortune 500 company mentioned that their offer was non-negotiable. They offer it to all entry-level engineers, and you take it or leave it. I didn't wind up getting the job, but the idea that their offer was a fair number stuck in my head. 
So when I got a similar offer from the job I ultimately took, I didn't negotiate. I just assumed it was a fair entry-level offer. Well, one day I was talking to a mechanic on the shop floor, and he made a snide comment about how much us dumb college kids make just for having a degree, and he cited a very precise number that was $15,000 a year higher than I was getting. Naturally, I laughed. I don't get anything near that. You don't, he said, because that's what Joe got. This is all past tense because Joe, name changed, had recently been fired for showing up to work drunk. Okay. Uh, Is that what he told you? He must have been lying. I'm not surprised. Well, he said, we all went out drinking after they handed out the bonuses and Joe left his bonus award paper in the backseat of my car. I still didn't believe it, but the mechanic actually produced the paper. This guy, Joe, who had started the exact same rotational program at the same time as me and who held an equivalent degree, was earning $15,000 more a year. I was stunned. I knew there were compensation disparities out there in the world somewhere, but I never thought anything this egregious would happen to me. And if we started out with that size gap and our raises were all percentages after that, I would never catch up with a guy who was so irresponsible that he had shown up to work drunk. Very shortly after that, I was interviewing for a new job. Still, I couldn't bring myself to negotiate on my own behalf. When my future boss asked me what I expected to receive, I choked out, people in my rotational program are receiving, and I gave him Joe's salary. My boss came back with an offer that was closer to Joe's salary than mine, and I accepted it. He was so surprised that I still wonder if I should have continued negotiating. Negotiating is hard, especially when you desperately want any job except the one you're currently holding. I hope I do better next time. And Lana, we hear you. It's hard, and we really wish you the best of luck. So I've got a letter here from Alex about our Spill Your Salary Secrets episode as well. And she writes, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your latest podcast on salary transparency. I recently received a raise, but it was not the full amount I was expecting. And at the time, I didn't think to negotiate or push back, even though I knew I deserved the full raise. I was too busy being the, quote, model worker and didn't want to cause any trouble. I was so happy to hear you and your guests speak to the complex struggles women face when assuming the role of negotiator. After listening to your podcast, I feel like I have the tools to present my case for higher pay without too much fear. Oh, Alex, I'm so thrilled to hear that. And I hope that that conversation goes well for you. And I got to say, it's not only... uh, delightful hearing from you all. It's also encouraging to us to, you know, have our own negotiation conversations in in a stronger kind of way. So keep your letters coming, friends. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media, as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts with our sources, so you can learn more about STDs and startups, head on over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. 
Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.